Hello and welcome to the Children in Books podcast. Um, today we are talking to Frankie. She's an ecologist and um, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy that you're here. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. <laughs> Hello from me too. Hello from Leipzig. I'm very happy that you are a guest this time and we are, will talk about a very, very poetical and special moment which we can which we can see and and to to develop every day if we like. Yes, that sounds good. Um nice to meet you both. And hi Rachel. <laughs> Hello Frankie. Um, Lovely to have you here. So we were we were wanting to talk to you about um what Lubina was was just hinting at, which is a special time of day. Um the dusk and also dawn. So why is it that, that these times of day are important, um, you know, in the, in the natural world? But also, why do you think that it's important for children to be able to experience these things? Well, I think, um, so in my job as an ecologist, I spend many, many, many hours a year sitting in a chair outside mm-hmm. um, from about just just before sunset until a couple of hours after sunset, watching to see if any bats come out of a particular building or tree or other structure. Um, and at that time of day, I feel like it's a real privilege to witness what happens because it's a time when most people are busily getting dinner ready at home um, or doing doing classes or doing something that's not sitting quietly and watching. Um, so you hear the, the evening chorus of the birds getting louder and louder towards sunset and then getting quieter and quieter and a lot of birds moving wherever you are because they're all going home to roost for the night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a real quiet spell just after sunset and then within about half an hour that's when the bats start to come out and the owls start to come out mm. and if you're near a pond the frogs start to croak and yes. <laughs> the hedgehogs venture out and the foxes venture out and you see all of these little interactions and I think because you're sitting so quietly they don't have the the fear you know animals will will quite often walk right up to you if you're just sitting perfectly still and not being threatening in any way. You become part of their environment and um, Mm -hmm. that's a really special thing to see. And I think for children, it's the same for them. You know, often in in the summer here, a lot of young children are well and truly asleep by the time the sun goes down, especially in Scotland, I'd imagine, Rachel. Yeah, um, yeah, the sun doesn't go down till about um, 11 p.m. at the moment. Ooh. Yeah, and then it pings right back up again a few hours later. Yeah, it? yeah, about three. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They, so often they, they don't, children don't get to see these things. Um, but at times of year mm-hmm. where the sunset works with bedtimes, if, mm-hmm. if they can go and experience that just in their gardens it's such a, a privilege to see um, and also it, it there's a chemical response in our bodies as well to the light levels the natural light levels dropping mm-hmm. uh, which which 
releases melatonin in our brains, which causes us to feel sleepy. So for children, that's a really important thing, I think. If they're shut away inside all day, they don't they don't have that natural rhythm of things. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's it's really special time, but also there's a, a lot to be gained from it for children. Yeah, that does sound important because, um, you know, if children are experiencing sort of artificial light indoors a lot of the time, then mm-hmm. um, then those kind of, you know, those natural hormones and chemicals that are released um, with the with the natural rhythms of the day, then will that that will make a big difference, won't it? I I'd never really thought about it in that way before. Mm. I guess as a mother of young boys, you you get them to <laughs> to experience the uh, the sun going down as often as you can. Oh, nowhere near as often as I should really, <laughs> because you know what it's like. It's yeah. you know it's all very well me sitting here. I don't do it that often, um, but it's it's really. It's really valuable, I think, um, even if you're not taking any notice of it, if you're just outside in the evenings. I think it's a nice wind down to the day. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of research here and that there's a charity locally to here actually called Learning Through Landscapes, which is all about children um, well, the importance of children learning fire sort of outdoor learning and also a lot of research into how that improves their behavior Mm. um, because they're Mm -hmm. they're more fulfilled they're occupied and they're happier and uh, you get less of the sort of uh, difficult behaviors often especially in young children I think and even toddlers you know and babies take a baby a crying baby outside it's very, it's very soothing. It's naturally soothing. Mm. I I experience it when I in the evening go to the garden, and then the people are going. It's not the time of of uh, dusk, dusk, not not so late. But I always have the feeling that the world is calming down, and there is a peace, and not so much to hear, and. Inside, I'm come to a rest, a more, much more better rest, too, mm. than when I go on in the flat to do something. Mm. <laughs> it's it's a lovely feeling, isn't it? To and and I think you feel like you are part of the world, not just part of modern life. Then, mm. <laughs> yeah one one of my most memorable. Um, memories from from childhood is a holiday that we had and we were down in Cornwall I think it was either Devon or Cornwall but um for some reason and we were camping um my parents decided not to not to use the tent but that we would just sleep under the stars uh-huh. <laughs> and um and so we we just made up made up our beds and it was it was on the sand dunes and um uh-huh. and i remember kind of being snuggled up between between my mum and my brother on one side and my mum and dad on the other side and um because they you know my brother said he'd protect me from from the bears and <laughs> 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 i i remember kind of 
feeling excited about going to sleep, thinking, wow, are there really going to be bears? And <laughs> but not, not <laughs> frightened yes. about that because kind of being like, no, I'm quite protected on either side, but but yeah, I'm just thinking about what you were saying, Frankie, about how kind of children can experience nature. And these things are so important, aren't they? I mean, that's a massive um that's made a massive impression on me. You know, it's a a memory. That that one memory. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds precious. Yeah. It's a lovely thing. I think um, if you can, it depends on the the age and the interest level of the children, probably. But if they can sit quietly and watch, there are all sorts of things that happen at those times of day that, that are just, you know, a moment in time, a little interaction between perhaps between you and a wild animal that is passing mm. through where you are, um, or sometimes between two different species, um, mm-hmm. that can be fascinating as well. I remember watching a woodland edge up in Norfolk um, to see which bat species emerged from this woodland at dusk to indicate who was roosting in that woodland, basically. And um, there was a so part of that sort of day to night shift handover that you see with the the daytime birds winding down getting really loud and then winding down and then the owls and the bats coming out and I've been watching this barn owl quartering over the field next to this woodland and it flew along the woodland edge and a barbastel bat which is it's one of our rarer bats in this country. It's mm-hmm. strongly associated with ancient woodland. Um, it's probably our ugliest bat, I think, as well. It's probably the <laughs> yes. only mother could love. It flew out and it was a gutsy little thing. It chased the barn owl, so a tiny bat. Oh. Chased this barn owl away from its woodland. <laughs> I don't know why. I've, I've not really witnessed that territorial behavior before in bats Mm -hmm. but it just did that right in front of me and it's the barn owl was scared and left and uh it was an incredible thing to see would bats usually be prey to to owls i don't know you know i i don't think it's a um a sort of a well-known prey source for owls at all they they do turn um, barn owls in particular will eat rodents maybe Mm. voles um shrews and mice and they they quarter quite systematically back and forth i don't know if you ever see them where you are yeah um, flying over the field so i think i just don't know if they've got the the anatomy and the aerodynamics to allow them to catch a bat. But no. I could well be wrong. I, I honestly, I don't know the answer to that and I probably should. Mm. Cats are the main problem for bats. Mm. Mm-hmm. And and which were the special, you, you told us you were sitting days and days and evenings and evenings outside looking, watching. And which were what were the special moments you you experienced then? 
So quite, um, as I was saying before, when you just sit quietly, sort of merge into the background for the animals that are coming out at night time. So just uh, seeing things like um, just hedgehogs coming out of the hedges, Mm -hmm. uh, just walking right up to you and foraging, looking for worms and beetles right around your feet um, and just not, batty an eyelid really that you're there they take no notice um and also sometimes with babies with them which is always lovely um another time I was working in South Wales um on the River Ogmore for a dawn survey and I'm a huge fan of otters as my my biggest thing as you know Rachel Rachel who has many otters living around her uh-huh. <laughs> um, I just there was just a mother and cubs uh, just silently glided by in the water mm. at I don't know five o'clock in the morning and it's those moments that nobody else saw and you just happen to be in the right place at the right time it's uh it's just a huge privilege really mm-hmm. there are other times mm. as well when you're actively looking for things and you really do find what you were looking for. I can remember tracking a badger, following a badger path uh, to see if two badger sets were connected mm-hmm. to each other, which I thought they probably were. Um, and walking along at dusk, following this little narrow path, and I heard a bit of a snuffle and a shuffle, and I just stood stock still. And this badger, I could hear it rustling through the nettles, coming nearer and nearer, walked all the way up to my legs on the path <laughs> and realised I was there, paused for a moment and just turned around and walked all the way back. It didn't go around me. It didn't jump. It just calmly left again and it just yeah. made me laugh so much. I think badgers are hilarious. They are funny <laughs> creatures, aren't they? They kind are. of waddle about. Yeah, they do. That's <laughs> a lovely one to watch with children, actually, because mm. if you know you've got a big badger set somewhere near you, it's very easy to sit quietly somewhere downwind, uh, mm-hmm. wearing dark clothing, uh-huh. nice and quietly with binoculars. Yeah, and, um, yeah, and of course, enjoy. you know, because these kind of animals feature so heavily in children's books all the time, don't they? You know, there's Lavina's books and the, you know, the friends in the, in the valley by the river. And, uh, and of course. All of the, them you told they are there. Yes. <laughs> are they? Oh, I'd love to yes. read them. <laughs> it is Petra Dorian and old Luna and two mice and a yeah. rabbit, Perdi. I remember us coming um, coming back from one of the islands I think we were on Tyree for a holiday and Mm -hmm. um, as we as we left that morning to get the ferry back we it was quite early in the morning but there's there's always hares lots of hares on Tyree and hares Mm -hmm. are like big big rabbits you know huge rabbits Mm -hmm sometimes mm-hmm. the, the size of a small child I would say is the biggest hair I've seen you know sort of like a wow a, maybe a a one or two year old child that big 
And Whoa. so Whoa. we saw so as we were leaving the island, we saw these hairs and, and this huge hair that looked so so large. And then on the ferry we um there was there was a a pod of dolphins following the ferry mm-hmm. that, were, that were jumping in mm-hmm. and out of the water and, and just performing for us and they just seemed very happy that you know <laughs> they had an audience and um mm-hmm. and then we got back and as we were driving into the village there was a, a deer crossed the road which which we didn't hit in the car but and as we slowed down, we were just coming to the slip where the water, there's a slipway going into the water. And there on the water's edge was an otter. And so that had all mm-hmm. happened within the space mm-hmm. of, you know, a day of us coming back from Tyree. And we kind of said, oh, it's it's like we were in a Disney movie today because all these, <laughs> all these animals appeared. <laughs> I just think how kind of ironic that is, really. <laughs> that we thought of ourselves in a Disney movie <laughs> but but this this was this is real life you know and and yeah. you know and Disney have taken sort of the natural world and made it into this mm. kind of colorful cartoony thing um for kids to relate <laughs> to and now yeah. we're trying mm. to get kids to relate to the real natural world again <laughs> I think mm-hmm. it is a kind of effort to to go away from the the colorful cartoon worlds uh, which are moving all the time and saying and singing uh, to go to this to the nature which is not which has not so much uh, fun or or direct fun, but I think we never forget these are very special moments when we have got just this contact with wild animals. Mm-hmm. I can say you on this day I had this and there I met a fox and mm-hmm. there was uh, another animal in the forest and I really remember all this uh, these meetings. It's, it's such a, a lovely feeling, isn't it, when mm. you get those little exchanges that are so unexpected the last time we went up to see Rachel and Tom we had just got an electric car and we were driving from the south coast of England up to west west Mm -hmm. Scotland Argyle Um, and it usually takes about 10 or 11 hours I'd have thought Uh, but uh, we had all sorts of problems with charging the electric car mm-hmm. at every turn we had technical issues or we'd spend two hours having lunch while we thought we were charging and it wasn't working anyway 18 and a half hours uh, later with our two little boys in the back of the car we arrived at Ardfern and uh, drove past your house Rachel to go around to where we were staying yeah. and there was an otter. <laughs> it just it just lolloped across the road, and we all just stopped. And because the car is such a quiet car, mm, because of yes. it, I think it hadn't been too scared. And the reward that that gave us for just such a terrible journey up there, <laughs> the longest journey ever. Yeah, it was incredible. And we just got there, and that happened. And you know, the, yeah. the opportunity of spending a week somewhere like that, if you really go looking, 
international on the island. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it. Yeah, that sounds very nice. It's a nice picture for the ending of our podcast today. The author <laughs> you met after <laughs> such a long journey. And I yeah. say I we can only recommend everybody. I think it's maybe the best in family that the group is not so big to go to the yeah. nature to see what you will experience, which wild animals you will meet. And mm -hmm. thank you, Frankie, that you were so open to talk with us and to discuss this around around this meeting, <laughs> around <It's> the dusk. <laughs> yes. It's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you, Rachel. And thank you to all our listeners. Bonjour, arrivederci, au revoir, nasledano. Bye.